Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and buckle your seatbelts. It's time for your weekly ride along with the Bikes on Bikes. This is Drive By. I just was thinking, like, one day you're gonna say that and you're gonna kick it over to me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, welcome, welcome. It's Mike Marcus, and this is Mike Forrest, and this is Drive By Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> That'd be kind of rude. <laughs> it's like, just did it. like the dumbest, most immature shit ever. <laughs> Mike, it has been a huge week. Uh, in pro wrestling in general, but especially for WWE, and I think we just need to hit the ground running and do a do a, a bit of a loose uh, loose forum again and just talk about everything before we get into it. Gotta give shout outs and credit where shout outs and credit are due, right? Sure. So uh, our pickums for the uh, week for the weekend that was SummerSlam weekend. Uh, if you're not in the know, we do a, a pick em for all NXT and WWE pay-per-views and just, just for fun, nothing to win. You get a shout out on a pod. That's about the extent of it. Uh, small group of people, uh, you know, anyone that wants to really can join in. Um, but you got to come to our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter to get the link and, you know, the options up to you, but. Big winners for the weekend for the NXT TakeOver. You, sir, tied with uh, listener to the show, Ray Cobra. and Ray, wait, 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 yes. wait, wait, yes. whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, let's whoa. back it up a second. This cat's name is Ray Cobra? That's the name that is input onto the uh, sheet. That is the name. Bro, I don't even care if it's a fake name. It's like the best fake name, like alias. Like, hats off to you, sir. Like, oh my, whole Ray Cobra. What the fuck? Jeez. Brilliant. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Had to step in there. That name is outstanding. You don't have to apologize. It's fantastic. I agree. Uh, so congratulations to you, sir, and Ray. And then on the other side, on the SummerSlam weekend, we had a tie between uh, myself and our very own high five a motherfucker himself, AJ Spurgeon. So uh, you know the uh, the elite here kind of dominate in the weekend, and I mean that's how it should be, right? <laughs> so let's get into it, Mike. In my opinion, and you know, I, I'm curious for yours because we know that we've kind of discussed on this show for the last month or month and a half, maybe two months. I don't know. I have to go back and listen. Kind of your place, you know, where you are with the company that is WWE. I think this weekend, including. Are 
you know, our weekly TV shows, Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown Live. Uh, I think it's been a very good week for WWE. What say you? I love stealing shit from Conrad. I have not finished SmackDown and admittedly have not watched all of NXT TakeOver. Right, right. We did discuss this, but... But it was, a, it was fair, a pretty good week. I mean... Yeah, and, and to be fair, si- I just want to put it out for people. We we work weird shifts, and we try to cram as much wrestling as we can in between the time that you and I have to talk. So, you know, don't hate on us, man. Well, and not only that, but it's like... Look, I probably could have watched NXT, but it was like... This weekend, there was also the G1 finale... Right, which you are deep in New Japan, and we're going to talk about that later. I'm so sure. it was like it was wrestling on top of wrestling. Yep, yep, absolutely. But for like a uh, four day span, WWE probably couldn't have done much better. No, I could not agree more with that statement, Mike. So, I mean, we usually break down the pay per views. Uh, know a tad bit more than i think we're planning on doing today uh i know you didn't get to watch all of takeover but you know you can kind of get the feel so we'll skip that one i'll give takeover an a it was a solid a and i actually think i give SummerSlam the same grade i think i give it an a and that's the first time probably in a long time if not ever that i've graded takeovers and main roster shows the same um you watched all of SummerSlam or the majority of it, correct? Yeah, I watched all of SummerSlam. In my opinion, Mike, and we'll take yours, obviously, there wasn't one match on that entire card that was not entertaining to some degree. Uh, there was, there was, usually you have one match where you're like, well, I could go up here, you know, take a leak, grab a drink, whatever, and uh, not worry about pausing the show and getting the timing off, but I, there wasn't a match like that for me. I enjoyed every match. Uh, quite possibly the best Trish Stratus has ever looked in the ring. Didn't you say something to that effect, Mike, uh, a couple weeks ago? I said that Charlotte gets the best match out of everybody, and that it was likely that we would see the best match Trish Stratus had ever had, and we did. And we did. Yes, we did. Trish looked like a million bucks. Uh, I've even heard talks now that she wants to do another match, probably because of the Charlotte match. She would, no. Who can really blame her? No, just be done right now. I agree, I agree, but... Like, you just stop. Here's the thing, here's the thing. I love Trish Stratus. We've talked about this. You also agree you love Trish Stratus. We kind of... We kind of agreed a while ago that maybe she was the best of an era where, you know... This is going to sound rude, but it wasn't hard to be the best, but she was. Does that make sense? And she shined in this match. And I'm not trying to take away anything from her, but Charlotte makes people look amazing. And I would hate for her to come back and have the Undertaker-Goldberg thing happen. You know what I mean? I would, oh God, I would hate it. Yeah, so just let, let it be, Trish, and let this be... Uh, a, a great match, probably the best of your career, and, and just go out on a high, right? I would hope that she has the good sense to realize that she's not going to have this kind of match with everybody. 
Like, like, yeah, sure, you could wrestle Becky Lynch, and you're probably going to have a good match, but it's not going to be this. And every match is going to be, and everything is just basically a step down from here in terms of who you're going to get match quality out of. So every match is going to be progressively, like, less entertaining than the one before it. Or you could just stop right now. Yep. Well, you got to think, like, more than likely, she's not going to be fighting a champion, so... If if she was, her options right now would be Becky or Bailey, and Bailey, just to me right now, is really boring. And Becky's great, and can I think get good matches out of people as well, but not to the level, not at the level that Charlotte does. So it's just not going to be at that. It's not going to be there. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I totally agree with you. <laughs> so Trish, love you. Let's wrap this up. Let's 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 hang them up. If if that's the goal, you know, you, you did what you needed to do. Let's leave it at that. Uh, something else that really worked for me, Mike, is is everything that they've done with Seth Rollins this past couple of weeks, uh, this weekend, Sunday for sure, uh, Monday as well. I had stated. <sighs> last week or maybe the week before, I'm not quite sure, that I really felt like they wanted to reset Seth Rollins because of the way WrestleMania went, and I put out there, and I'm sticking to this, I really feel that that WrestleMania match went the way that it did because Brock was still in the wind with UFC, and if he was going to go back to UFC, it was going to be you know, pretty soon after WrestleMania, where he was going to start a training camp and probably get back into fighting shape to probably take on uh, Cormier. And that didn't happen. So now you can take bumps, you know, big bumps. Now you can put effort into fighting. And I, 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 I like the fact that people would ever say at this point that Brock Lesnar doesn't try or is not a good wrestler is insane if you watch that match. Because Brock made Seth Rollins in that match. It was a phenomenal main event. It did exactly what it should have done, which is put over the baby face. Uh, If you really watch and you pay attention to the crowd, Seth is almost getting booed out of the building at the beginning of that match. And by the end, they're going nuts for him. That's a pretty amazing thing. It was... um... They really told a hell of a story in the ring, and it really, when Brock, Brock's a lot like Randy Orton, where it's like, when he's invested, when he's invested and cares, like, he's really, really good at his job, and this is one Uh, of those examples, like, he, he made Seth Rollins look like a damn winner, like, he really made Rollins look like the beast slayer uh, like they should have at wrestlemania and you know like as i was watching i really like you were right man this was just the reset button on it brock cashing in that money in the bank was just a reset just to just to get rollins back to that plateau where they needed him at yep i think i still i still think lesnar kofi uh on smackdown is a money idea I thought that's where they were going to go with the Money in the Bank briefcase. 
But I really think they just gave that briefcase to Brock as a break glass in case of emergency kind of deal. And uh, I think that... I think maybe they realized Seth was losing more steam than they were, you know, anticipating. Well, Baron Corbin and, will do that. Well, yeah. And I think... They broke that glass, man. They they used it to get the title off of Seth so they could then reset this entire storyline. And let's just say if that was the case, they did this masterfully. And again, like we say, you have to give WWE credit when they do the good things if we're going to sit here and bash them for all the quote-unquote bad things that they do. And this, this worked tremendously. I... We here have been Seth Rollins fans forever. I've never turned on him like the internet has and, you know, so on and so forth. But this has got me excited because he feels like a champion now, if that makes sense. He feels like, I mean, he he beat Brock Lesnar clean in the middle of the ring. Like, uh, what more could you ask for this day and age? I mean, he's got a 2-0 record against Brock Lesnar. Yep, yep, and... What's Roman's, What's Roman's record? Not 2-0. Nope. And you, you throw out there the whole stipulation of Brock is not getting a rematch. Now, now you at least have out there the idea that, well, Brock can't get a match for the Universal title against Seth, so he's either got to win a number one contender uh, deal... He's got to wait until Seth is not champion anymore, or he's got to find another title to go after, which would lead me to SmackDown, uh, which would also put Paul Heyman on both shows, which would be interesting. You know what I mean? One way, shape, or form, because he's head of creative of Raw, and then he could be uh, just this character on SmackDown. I think it's it's very interesting, and I, and I don't know if that's where they're going to go, but I kind of hope they do. Uh, I just think it would be... It certainly wouldn't hurt Kofi if the guy he lost the title to was Brock Lesnar. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, not at all. And you need someone very credible to take this title off Kofi. And if it's not going to be Randy Orton, then I think Brock would be the next best choice at this point in time on this current roster. So, you know, it'll be interesting. Do you think, Mike, that... John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose watched his buddy Seth Rollins be made into a star against Brock Lesnar and thought, what the fuck, man? Um, <laughs> no, I really don't feel like he probably did. <laughs> it's just funny because you think of uh, yeah. everything horrible he had to say about Brock Lesnar, and then you, re- like, you really have to think. Maybe he in, just in didn't feel way- like putting over Dean Ambrose. Well, I was going to say, if the way that Dean kind of explained that, Moxley kind of explained that on Talk is Jericho, uh, the way he also kind of explained it, a little more vaguely, but, you know, uh, similar way on the Stone Cold Podcast, man, Brock really did not think much of that dude, did he? No, apparently not. (laughs) And... It really makes me wonder. You know, Roman's come out and said what he said, pretty much saying that he did not agree with what Moxley was saying. You know, in that interview, we we, we 
we talked here how we both felt sympathy for Dean and how it man it sucks to hear that, but now we've had multiple stars come out and say like it's really not as bad as he's saying, and you can still get things across. I I I I, I do kind of wonder like did did he just not try? Like I mean, you still gotta assume that he's you know. From his point of view, it was as bad as he says it was. But then you wonder, like, when so many people were saying otherwise, and you're seeing Brock do what he did with Seth Rollins, and what he's done with AJ, and what he did with Finn, like, I don't know, man. It makes you wonder if maybe maybe it was a fault of both sides, and maybe the communication just wasn't there. And I mean as a whole with Moxley, not just Brock. You know what I'm saying? Well, that, and you know, maybe the styles just didn't mesh up, and... There's a lot of different variables for why guys don't have good matches. Oh, yeah, completely, completely true. Uh, so, if we move into the week of television, uh, both shows, man, Raw, SmackDown, very good shows. They did good things on both shows. They continued storylines. Mike, to me, I felt like SummerSlam was a reset button. Yeah, I don't know if you can agree with that or not, but... Uh, of course, we've got some storylines coming out of SummerSlam that we're going to continue, which is fine. Uh, we have storylines that ended at SummerSlam, which we probably aren't going to continue, which is fine. But it feels like, you know, we got the announcement of the King of the Ring. Uh, word in the sheets is that the King of the Ring is not going to be like a, a, a pay-per-view special, they're actually going to have the final uh, matches or the final match or however they're going to do this at Clash of the Champions, which I think is probably the best idea they could do. Um, although I wouldn't mind a standalone tournament with a standalone special. Man, we've got so many pay-per-views and so many specials. I think I'm good with it being part of another show. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, my initial reaction was like, why aren't you just having it as a special on the network? And then I was like, man, do you really want to have to, like, devote time to another special on the network? Or would you rather just them right. have, or, like, would you rather have, like, matches you care about on weekly TV? Right. So if we have these weekly TV matches, and then depending on how far they want to go deep with this tournament, because, I mean, it's been a while, but... The way I always remember King of the Ring, you'd have some qualifying matches on TV, and then you'd have, like, basically, you know, the the semis and the finals on the pay-per-view, correct? So, the guys would be wrestling, like, maybe two matches in a night. Yeah. And I think that's fun, and I think, really, you know, you almost think, well, hold on, we got, like, we're going to have all these matches plus it plus the championship matches at Clash of the Champions. Well, guys, we have a pre-show. So you could totally put the opening two matches on a pre-show as the preliminary King of the Ring matches and tell interesting stories in those first matches that get people to watch the rest of the show if they weren't going to and order the network if they don't have it and such. And I think that's a really good idea. I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but I think it's a good idea, and that's all that matters. Um, I agree. I think it's a great idea how they're doing it. I, I mean, like, I don't really have anything to add. Like, I, I completely agree with you on this. Yep. So we'll see if they go that way when it comes to the pay per view format. Uh, but again, like I said, Seth on top on Raw. Uh, they're starting. 
they they hinted, I guess, at an AJ feud with uh, Seth, and then now we're kind of going in a different direction. Uh, Braun Strowman looks like a million bucks right now, man. He is so lean. He's a big ass mf'er anyway, and then he just uh, this has got to be this has got to lead to something for this guy because he's been working his ass off with the diet and the gym. And he just looks like a star. Uh, I don't know if he should be the one to take the U.S. strap off of AJ, but, I mean, especially with the OC, like, having momentum right now. All that being said, man, Braun needs to be in that top tier at this point. At this point out, you know what I mean? Keep it going and and keep pushing this guy as a top star because he looks like a top star, Mike. And he can do, for a guy his size, he can do top star things. And I just, I want to see more for this guy. It is imperative that they start using this dude correctly. Like, imperative. This guy has potential on top of potential. And it seems like every time they start to maybe pull the trigger on him, they pull back for some reason. And, like, you guys just got to, like, no one is ready until you pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. And you just got to pull the trigger and, and, like, see what this guy can do. Unleash him. Like, let's find out. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of potential, Mike, I don't know how far in you are on SmackDown yet. I know you said you haven't quite made it through the entire episode, but... Did you make it to the Buddy Murphy Roman Reigns match? Yet? I shit, yes I did. Okay, now early talk on the internet, some of the Twitter, uh, Twitter, t- Twitter sphere is a uh, match of the year contender. While I won't go out that far, I will say for a TV match, it definitely, definitely could be in that category if we're just talking Raw SmackDown television. Yes, I'll give you that. But let me say this. Buddy Murphy, who we've we talked about here and there on the show and said, you know, this guy really can do some things and is pretty amazing on 205 Live. Really good cruiserweight champion. This dude, hold on, let me actually rewind and go on the Roman Reigns side. For every Roman Reigns hater, you need to realize that Roman Reigns just came out and made Buddy Murphy a star. Okay. Majority of people who watch SmackDown probably didn't know who Buddy Murphy was because not everybody watches 205 Live. That being said, uh, you know, Roman went out there. He went out there as, you know, the big dog, the leader of the locker room, the face of the company, and he took a guy that maybe not everybody knew and he sold for him. His facial expressions showed you that, holy crap, why is this guy doing what he's doing to me and able to do what he's doing to me? And he made Buddy look like a star. Buddy Murphy kicked out of a Superman punch, Mike. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, it wasn't a spear, but still, uh... Most people would expect him to be finished with a Superman punch, I guess. Buddy Murphy looked great. Buddy Murphy looked outstanding. Um, I was a statement match. I was like, hey, look at me. You should do stuff with me. Look at all this I can do. Yeah, and I'll even go... I'll go a step further. 
Uh, and I know this is a little deeper for some wrestling fans, but like it or not, WWE leans heavy into social media, which I think is a smart thing for them to do. And, you know, Buddy Murphy for the longest time now has been using the hashtag best kept secret, saying that he's the best kept secret in pro wrestling and WWE, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, Roman Reigns is responding to some of this on Twitter. Uh, giving props to Buddy Murphy and using the hashtag, hashtag the secrets out. Like, how amazing is that, Mike? Like, this is the guy. This is the man in the company. And he is putting Buddy Murphy over to the moon. I'd be pretty ecstatic if I was Buddy Murphy. I would yeah, be yeah. very, I very happy that the top guy in the company was shouting me out. Yeah. Yeah, shouting you out, giving you, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that they said, hey, let's make Buddy Murphy a star tonight, but, you know, a lot of that hinges on Roman, because Buddy Murphy could have put the work in, and if Roman didn't sell it, if Roman didn't sell it with his facial expressions, or his body language, then it would not have came off the same way, and we would not be talking about this match on the internet like we are right now. So, a lot of that comes down to Roman and how he handled everything, and he did a fantastic job. And, you know, it's funny because, do these dirt sheets sometimes get out of hand? But I don't know if you saw the story, because I literally just saw it last night before I went to bed, so I know there's probably a good chance that you missed it. There's a story from the dirt sheets floating around that this is all a happy accident that Buddy Murphy just happened to accidentally get in the shot when they did the uh, forklift incident, and they're just using that to their advantage. Mike, I- I'm going to say that again, but I'm going to explain it a little more for the people. Yeah, so yeah, do Buddy that. Murphy, Buddy Murphy accidentally got into the closing shot when the copyrights for SmackDown came up on the screen when Roman Reigns got the uh, lighting dumped on him from the forklift. You know, a pre-recorded segment of the show that was more than likely recorded at like, I don't know, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon that day, and somehow they accidentally left that in? Come on, guys. Stop believing this BS from the Melters and the Shepherds and the Alvarezes and all of these flipping morons that just want you to click on our website like this is like and then and then they're going to reward him by accidentally messing up their shot and making him a star shut up come on right i mean it's just a preposterous thing to say like you screwed up (laughs) and ruined one of our biggest angles so we're going to reward it with giving you a star making match with the top guy in the company it's just asinine. It's just the dumb as fuck. Yeah, it, it, it's it's completely asinine. Um, it, it, it's just silly, guy. Like, just be careful what you read on the internet. We don't like spout off here about many things in the dirt sheets because we don't believe a lot of them. I have a few people I trust. That list is very short. And if it's very important and I think you need to know, I'll tell you about it. But other than that, we keep them mostly close to our best and we discuss it amongst ourselves, do we not? Pretty much. 
So, I mean, it's just, it's silly. I want to take a quick break, Mike, and when we come back, we need to talk about the in-ring debut of my favorite thing in pro wrestling right now, The Fiend. Hang tight. We will be right back. It's Boris and Bart. Back with a super short report. That's right, we're back on the Mike's on Mike's. We love being here, guys. Thanks for having us again. That is very true. It's very exciting to be here again. Very true. Well, what what happened this week, Boris? What do you want to talk about? I know that there were so many things, so many different things that happened. What is the number one thing that you think is the most important thing to talk about this week? I think the fact that the big man does not get a rematch against that sniveling coward in Rollins. That is not right. I do not like that at all. Yeah, I, I mean, Boris, honestly, do you really want to see Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar again? I do. I want to see Brock rip off his head and kick it into the crowd. All right. Jeez, oh, man. Um, this week, I, I actually thought the highlight of everything this week was The Fiend. Do not talk about The Fiend. Ha <laughs> Boris hates The Fiend. He is so afraid of him. I am not afraid. I do not like him. He killed Finn Balor. He killed Mick Foley and so many people. It's so bad. <laughs> he didn't kill him, but uh, The Fiend is super scary, I know, and Boris does not like to talk about him. It haunts his dreams. He does not, actually. Yes, he does. It is very scary. I do not like The Fiend, not at all. Well, uh, what about... what? What is something at SummerSlam that you... Uh, you're not... Thrilled is proceeding. How about that, Boris? I do not like the fact that that boring Bailey, she is still the champ. That is the worst in the world. Uh, Boris, please don't be mean to Bailey. Bailey is super awesome. She seems to be extremely nice. There's no reason for you to be such a jerk to her. Well, I do not like the fact that she comes out with those Sami Zayn balloons. That is very wrong. What? What are you talking about, Boris? Those balloons she has, they look exactly like the Sami Zayn dancing around like a jerk with his stupid hair. Oh my... Actually, you know what, Boris? They do look like Sami Zayn. Oh my gosh. I'm never going to be able to look at Bailey's balloons ever again without thinking of Sami Zayn dancing around like a weirdo. That's crazy. Uh, well, anyways, hey, thanks for having us, guys. It's Boris and Bart on a super short report. Good day. Have the match disappear and that's it. 
man, I couldn't have been more wrong because what they did on Sunday had me wrestling boner blue chew so hard. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even kidding, Mike. I had goosebumps. Uh, and I'm not afraid to say I had literal fucking goosebumps watching the Fiend make his entrance on uh, Sunday night. It was, um, it was special. It's like a lot of, a lot of times in wrestling, you see things that are cool or or like, wow, but it's rare that you see something special. And this was something like wholly original and special. Um, it's kind of one of those things that like, And entertainment, like anything that you love or get entertained by, it's kind of one of those like moments where like everything just stops, and you you just are yes. like really in that moment a hundred percent. And that the entrance yep. for the fiend is like that, where you just were, like you were in that moment a hundred percent if you were watching it. Let me compare it to something big that happened recently in pro wrestling, and you can you can kind of agree or disagree. Let me know. If you think I'm off track or not, but like John Moxley making his debut at uh, Double or Nothing was super cool, awesome, huge moment in pro wrestling. But when compared to the entrance of the Fiend, it was not the same level because that was cool, that was fun, that was marky. But this this Fiend just felt so special. It felt like we were seeing the debut of something that is possibly game-changing and possibly career-changing. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I look at it like this, man. Like, my son was watching with me, and he already likes the Firefly Funhouse. He's four, for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, He love The Fiend when he saw him on screen. My son is a slightly twisted and likes creepy stuff. As a matter of fact, as he calls all wrestling Goldbergs, uh, all wrestlers Goldbergs and wrestling Goldberg, uh, he called Bray Wyatt the creepy Goldberg, which I think is hilarious and awesome. Uh, And all week he has been talking to my wife while I'm at work how he wants to watch SummerSlam and watch the creepy Goldberg. So... I just, I think of that, and one, it makes me proud. Two, I'm getting goosebumps watching this entrance, and I've been humming that damn song all week at work, and I I see the reaction of my four-year-old son, and I think they have lightning in a bottle right now because it's captivating, it's weird, it's interesting, and from the beginning... This has been handled fantastically. And I just sit here and I think, please don't mess this up because you have literally just blank checks to write with this character. And everything I see on a weekly basis, they're doing correctly. Mike, did you see the special edition Firefly Funhouse box that they were selling? Did you happen to see that that came out, I think, Monday afternoon? What is it again? They... It's already sold out, Mike. They put a commercial out. I think I shared it on the page, but maybe I didn't. Uh, of Bray as the Firefly Funhouse Bray promoting this 
special edition, limited edition box uh, that was like a kind of like a uh, loot crate deal, it looked like. But the box itself turned into like a Firefly Funhouse diorama. It had the paintings that were hanging in the uh, Firefly Funhouse that you could, you know, hang for yourself. It had a bunch of different memorabilia from the Firefly Funhouse, including a limited edition t-shirt. Uh, word on the street is they were selling 500 of these, and that was it. They were $250 a pop, and they sold out in like an hour. Holy shit. <laughs> and I, all the stuff in it was pretty cool, but I thought when I saw it, like, oh man, that's probably going to be like 50 bucks, and it was $250, and it sold out in an hour. Wow. So, when I say lightning in a bottle, I mean they got lightning in a bottle. And I'm not going to lie, I wash Raw on the edge of my seat waiting for the Fiend to appear, and he didn't. And I thought, huh, well, that's odd. And then I watched SmackDown, kind of thinking the same thing, and it clicked in my mind. No, they're listening to me, because I actually said, I don't know if I said it to you, uh, I said it to, I know myself, and I thought I maybe mentioned it to you or a group chat, that I don't think we should see The Fiend except on pay-per-views. Not like that. Not with an entrance. He shouldn't be doing TV matches. If we see him attacking people, I'm all for it. If we see the Firefly Funhouse on Raw or SmackDown as a promo, I am all for it. They need to keep The Fiend as a special attraction for pay-per-view onlys for the whole the whole get up the whole entrance and all that because I want this to be special and if you do check in with the sheets this is what's being reported that that is the exact reason why he wasn't on TV this week is because they don't want the mystique to go away and they want to keep this character special and Mike I just keep seeing them doing the right thing here I mean, it really seems like for once they're just kind of like, oh, you know what you're doing? Cool, we're going to step away. How about it? <laughs> I would even, I would take it a step further and be like, they, you know what you're doing? Cool, we're going to come help you make it even better, and we're not going to step in our own way. You know what I mean? Right, you tell us what because, we need, what you need from us. Yeah. You tell us what you need, and we'll make sure you have the best version of that to do this. And, I mean, from the production of that entrance to, dude, Bray Wyatt, sorry, The Fiend carrying a Bray Wyatt lantern head is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. That is maybe the best thing I've ever seen in an entrance ever in my life. I have my fingers crossed so hard. That they sell a replica of that because I don't care how much it is. I'm buying that thing. <laughs> I'll sit it on my nightstand and have it as a as a uh, uh, a reading lamp or whatever by my bed because it's awesome. Well, they are selling the Mr. McMahon puppet. They are selling the Mr. McMahon puppet, the Rambling Rabbit puppet, a Mercy the Buzzard puppet, uh... They are selling two versions of the mask, uh, a, a $50, like, high-quality rubber one, and then a, like, a, kind of like a plastic sting mask, like they used to sell a version of it for, like, 10 bucks. Uh, 
phenomenal stuff. I don't know if you caught it on Raw, but someone in the, like, not in the front row, but like row four on the hard camera side was wearing a fiend mask the entire uh, Monday Night Raw, and it was creepy as shit, dude. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I hope more people start wearing them. Yeah, um, great stuff. I, I'm over the moon with this character. I, I love what they're doing with it. I love the way they're handling it. This, and I'm, I'm going to share it. I'll try to remember to share it to the Facebook page. There's a video on YouTube uh, called Superstar Ghost Stories. Have you seen these, Mike? No. Now, I haven't. There's a few of them that came up once I saw this and I typed in, and I've only watched a Bray one. So I don't know if these are supposed to be kayfabe or if some of these are like really where the superstars are telling like their supposed real life ghost stories. But if that's the case and that's what it is, then Bray Wyatt took it and said, well, you know what? I'm just going to turn this into a character building opportunity because he has a story on there called The Man in the Woods. And if it does not sound like The Fiend to you, I don't know what it is. And it's creepy. It's it's amazing because, Mike, this was shot, I mean, I don't know the year, but looking at the way Bray looked and the way he talked, this was this was in the uh, the family version of Bray Wyatt, if that makes sense, okay? So, this dude, in my opinion, has had this idea for this character in his head, maybe since day one. And if that's the case, and he's just been slowly trying to build up the company's trust in him to make this thing a reality... And they're really going to let, as it seems to be the case, they're going to let him kind of spitball his own things and keep going with this the way that he sees fit with their approval and their help. Like, this this could really be the time where we finally say, yep, Bray Wyatt became the next Undertaker guy. All I'm going to keep saying... Is that it has the potential? Well, I mean, that's I don't know really... If you really paid attention, but the announcers even compared, which I think is flipping. I did notice that. that that was stated on WWE television. This is Undertaker like. It's way creepier than anything the Undertaker's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Taker's never done uh, anything close to this. And that includes no. the time he crucified Steve Austin. Right. And I mean, and, and that's... How amazing is it to have two guys sitting here agreeing that this is not even... This is the, the, the Undertaker. All the amazing... And, and we're not saying that the stuff that Undertaker did wasn't amazing, because it was, right? Yeah. But this is just... It feels so different, Mike. And I am so pumped that I just can't wait to see what this character holds, what the future holds for this character. And 
the, the brutality in the ring, the way he wrestled was just amazing. The way that he carried himself was amazing. The little things that he did right in that match was amazing. The next snap was terrifying. The mandible claw, as you stated, is the absolute perfect finishing move for this character. Looks amazing with the gear. Looks amazing with the gloves. Looks amazing with the mask and the hair. I love every single aspect of everything they've done so far. And this is now my favorite wrestler. Yeah, the character work they've put into this is just top-notch. The mannerisms, the moveset, the plotting methodical style, like everything that they're doing. Yep. It couldn't be more perfect. Yep, it's it's absolutely amazing. And again, I just, fingers crossed, they keep moving this along the way that they are and just keep going down this path they're going because it is... 100% 100% working. Mike, I want to throw to you and let you talk a little bit because you're the New Japan guy and some big things happened this weekend. So I'm going to let you kind of take the lead and I'll react and uh, and we'll go from there. Well, we had the G1 finale. If you're not familiar with the G1 finale, with the G1, the G1 Climax tournament is like New Japan likes their tournaments a lot. And this is like their biggest tournament, basically. Um, the winner of it gets guaranteed a shot at Wrestle Kingdom, which is New Japan's WrestleMania. Um, so the finale, uh, was this weekend. It was Kota Ibushi versus Jay White. Kota Ibushi picked up the win. So that was huge, but it wasn't even like, like, so that's big because Ibushi's been on kind of like an upward trajectory since the elite split off they've needed to fill in some gaps and he's kind of one of those guys that it was just ready for him to like take that step up so um this is a big win for him um you know so tentatively right now should things change as they can because it's wrestling he'll be facing uh okada at wrestle kingdom but you know january's a ways away okada could lose the title yeah. hell he could even uh, uh ibushi could even lose the title shot so you know anything could happen there but to me personally i didn't think that that was even the biggest news of the day um earlier that day they had a six-man tag kenta yoshihashi and Ishii taking on Bad Luck Fale and Tamatonga and Tonga Lao from Bullet Club. Kenta, um, at the end of the match, hit Ishii with a GTS and allowing Tamatonga to get the pin. Kenta has joined the Bullet Club. So that's huge right away, right? This is your former right. Hideo Tommy. Uh, yes. um, right there, that's huge. But uh, the man that when they introduced Kenta, the guy that kind of, you know, storyline-wise, the guy that brought him in was Katsuyori Shibata, who was... Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe him. And for, like, the old wrestling heads, this will make sense. Uh, Shibata... Okay, I've got a better way. Shibata is essentially Shibata is essentially the the Japanese Daniel Bryan. He's one okay. of the like. I, I like that. He was gonna be 
a star, right? He was a star. This was like a future like guy, building block guy. And he received a, a, a brutal injury a f- couple years ago um, in a match with Akata. Uh, took a really stiff headbutt and um, destroyed his eye socket. Like, I, I mean badly. They weren't sure he was ever going to wrestle again. Honestly, most people said he's never going to wrestle again. So he's been in charge of, you know, New Japan Open a Dojo in L.A. He's been in charge of things there. And then storyline, TV-wise, he's the guy that introduced Kenta to New Japan. I brought this guy in. So Shibata um, runs down after Kenta turns and proceeds to um, give his finishing move is essentially the haluva kick. So he proceeds okay. to throw those out. He does his diving. Uh, he does his running drop kick in the corner, which I, I, I'm marking out. I, I'm marked the fuck out. Like Shibata, he, he's taking in-ring action. And then the Bullet Club gets the better of him, and Shibata takes bumps. And not just average bumps, fucking New Japan bumps. The biggest match of the the biggest the biggest news of the night, Katsuyori Shibata, is throwing out moves and taking bumps again. He never yeah. said he was done. Yeah. He never said he had his last match. This is insanely big. First of all, Kenta joining the Bullet Club. The Bullet Club needed something, you know. Yeah, you know they've needed they've needed something. Don't get me wrong. Tamatonga's the I shit. I just hope he can stay healthy. Yeah, Tamatonga's the shit. And, like, Jay White's cool and all, but as far as, like, Bullet Club leaders, he's not... He's the worst. He's the absolute worst. Um, So they needed something. This is a big name to get them. Um, I, I can't wait to see what happens, where they go with this, and what Shabbat is going to do. Yeah, I here's my hopes, Mike. You know, I'm not I'm not nearly well versed as you are in this. I of course knew kind of the story and everything that had happened. I really hope because it, it's funny you compared him to Daniel Bryan because it almost sounds like uh, even with the injury, it's kind of a similar deal. Ta Magnum, exactly Ta Ta Magnum for you old heads. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I hope. I don't know what to think. Like, the, I don't know the medical clearances required to wrestle in New Japan. So I really do hope that Shibata is healthy enough to do what he's doing, and that it's not like I hope he's just back and can wrestle, and it's fine. Kind of like how Daniel Bryan is, you know, and, and that we don't have to worry consistently or constantly uh, that this could be a, an issue down the road. And I hope it's not, because like I said, I don't know what the medical clearances are for New Japan. I know in America we have a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? A a lawsuit, uh, a lawsuit mentality, a, a sue-happy mentality, a hold everybody else responsible except ourselves mentality. Uh, so I have to think when Daniel Bryan comes back, WWE, a billion-dollar company, has crossed all their T's, dotted all their I's, had every doctor they need make this decision for them. 
but I don't know that New Japan is the same way. Um, as much of a fan as I am in New Japan, I because of the language barrier, I don't. Yeah. I don't know a lot of. Well, I don't know a lot of the ins and outs, and not only that, it's more WWE's ins and outs inside of the business, because we live in America and that's the home country, it's kind of thrust in our face. It sure is. And New Japan, I don't see... Meltzer, man. Meltzer, man. You know what I mean? You gotta... I don't... I'm not a Meltzer guy. And Meltzer, he has that info. I, I, but I'm not a Meltzer yeah. guy, so I don't, yeah. so I don't yeah. really have like the ins and outs of how the business side of things work there. And honest to God, it's it's nice, it's really nice. Yeah. It's really nice to not to like to watch a them. Bit where you can enjoy it more. Yes, <laughs> yeah, man. It's like it's a TV show. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I agree, man. Wrestling in 2019, folks. You heard it here first going to be crazy and so far it flipping has been and we love every second of it you have anything else you want to say to these beautiful people mike no i don't have anything i want to say to them but i've got a question to ask you uh, ask away my friend how many more nxt takeovers do you think you're gonna predict the undisputed era takes all the titles <laughs> Uh, none, and then I'm going to be wrong. Do you think, do you think, do you think you've given up on that yet? I, I don't know, man, probably, because I think now, I think if it happens, it's not going to happen at a takeover. It'll happen, it'll happen, like, one at a time instead of all at once. They'll piece it, they'll piece it together here and there. Yeah, and including when they move to Fox Sports 1. Ah, good call. I think maybe you should just keep going with it, man. Think I should keep going with it? Yeah. I'll, don't, I'll predict don't give up it, now. I'll predict it. Quitter. I'll, I'll predict that it's the next takeover, even if they're not all with title shots. <laughs> like, I'm, it's going to happen. All right, well, that's all I had for today. Well, guys, what an amazing weekend. What an amazing time to be a pro wrestling fan. And I say it every week. It's been real. It's been fun. We will catch you next time. You guys are beautiful. We love you. Have a great week.